Welcome to the In Common Podcast. This is Hatley Post. This insight episode comes from full episode 60 with Emily Boyd. Emily is the director of the Lund University Center for Sustainability Studies and a professor in sustainability science, as well as a leading social scientist with a background in international development, environment, and climate change. Stefan and Emily talk about the benefits and challenges of an interdisciplinary education and approach to sustainability issues, specifically how to communicate and work with people from different fields, as well as how universities can work to support interdisciplinary training. This is the In Common Podcast. Has it been your experience at all with with some of the students today? Is it always a natural fit into sustainability science and finding their their place there and also, you know, future opportunities, what what these students are trained for after after they move on? Yeah, um, I think that um, coming myself gone through an interdisciplinary training from the start, of course, there are challenges. I mean, if you're up against convention and a long, long history of discipline, of course, it's going to be a challenge. But... I think at the same time, the skills that you come out with, the capacity to connect, the ability to um, be a lateral thinker, I mean, that is priceless these days when actually we're seeing these sustainability challenges playing out the way they're playing out, how they're intersecting with social issues, how societies are becoming aware, how social movements are emerging, how, you know, so much is going on. Having that kind of training, you can tap into so many different things and contribute, whether it's within academia, you know, doing PhDs or postdocs, you know, working across teams of people, of social and natural scientists, being able to work in a municipality, to be able to work in government, to be able to connect across departments, um, to be able to work with economists or natural scientists or whatever it may be, to be able to work with farmers, to be able to work with financiers, all of that you should be getting with the sustainability science training. So you're getting both the conceptual the knowledge, you're also getting how do you measure things, why, do, why does measurement matter, the scientific method, and also leading how do you take action? How does that process look? I mean, it seems like a lot of the, the research that, I would get that goes on here is what I would call transdisciplinarity. So it's trying to integrate, you know, non-academics uh, in the broadest sense uh, into the process of research design, perhaps data collection and, and conceptualization of the products and even, you know, foreseeing how that data gets analyzed and then perhaps implemented later on in the case studies. How much of that, like of that transdisciplinary aspect is like at the core of, of the ambitions for the research here? I think it's quite fundamental. I mean, I think there's a, there's a spectrum of research that goes on in, in Luxus and I would hope in any sustainability institute from, let's say you can cut across from interdisciplinary to transdisciplinary, from applied to theoretical, qualitative to quantitative, you know, the spectrum should allow for incorporating sort of plural, as we use the word, perspectives on that because uh, you never know when the new big new ideas are going to come from and how they're going to be generated. So yeah. allowing for this difference uh, is really important. Uh, I think in terms of bringing in stakeholders and bringing in policy, uh, it's really important to many people in Luxus. I think many people do it. I think we could do some of it better. Uh, but I think whether it's working with farmers, small-scale farmers in Africa, through to 
uh, the UNFCCC, we try to engage uh, with these different actors. Um, and we're learning as well through the process of that, how to do this, how to do this better. Scientists are not in a bubble in an ivory tower anymore, generally. You know, there's, there's expectations uh, from society, I would say, especially in the area of sustainability science. You know, there's an expectation that we can address. No, I really like this this notion of plurality and trying to, for example, multiple ways of knowing and incorporating different types of knowledge systems, different disciplines and methods, of course. I think there's a lot to be gained there, but I think there's also, you know, this extra added challenge that sustainability scientists would have in terms of staying grounded and, and perhaps communicating exactly what they're doing to others who are maybe not familiar with more plural approaches or mixed mixed methods approaches or interdisciplinary approaches. Where do you see some of those challenges in engaging with more perhaps yeah, disciplinary oriented researchers or those folks who are not maybe in sustainability oriented centers and also just communicating the science that you do as, as actually valid and important? Yeah, I mean, I think all of that is really important. I think one of the things you said there is communicating outside of a bubble. That's really essential. And many of us do work with folks in disciplines. I work with climate scientists, physicists. I work with um, ecologists. And many of us have worked across disciplines. Um, you know, we work outside with municipalities. The work of Christine Ramsler, for example, mm-hmm. Kimberly Nicholas, Barry Ness, Chad Boda, Lena Olson, and so on, you know, all working with people and trying to kind of engage with this kind of experimentation and learning with different actors. It's a really tough process. It's also, as you said, um, connecting across disciplines isn't isn't an easy thing to do, but it's it is common. Mm-hmm. I think I've every project I've been part of almost has been some there's been some interdisciplinary element to it and yeah sure you argue and you don't agree and you have different ways of looking at the world yeah. uh, and some win out sometimes and others you, you probably know that working with marine science and social ecological systems yeah. you know but it's it's a dialogue and negotiation and, and a collaboration and you come out with some really good things and some stuff that's not great i think communicating with the general public, which was your other point there, uh, I think we all need to do better. All scientists need to do that much, much better. Um, To be able to not just tell people what we do, tell people the answers, but to work with, um, to explain better. And then maybe you need to break it down. And I think this is what we're also trying to do here at Luxus is yeah, we have sustainability as our banner, but then you break it down and you might be working on a project which uh, is the effects of climate change on um, some of the most disproportionate communities. What are those impacts? What are the adaptation options? You know, breaking it down into manageable, understandable parts. One of the things you mentioned there, which I wanted to follow up on, was how sustainability science is is again deviating from maybe a more traditionary disciplinary 
uh, scientific career, it, it makes me think that you have to think a little bit about the career incentives to motivate the type of research that you want to get done in terms of publishing, in terms of grant money that comes in, and what are the type of activities, how do you measure more, more qualitative efforts in an academic career, like science communication, for example, like engaging with community, maybe taking long, longer projects, taking your results back to the field. Do you have those types of discussions at the Institute about how do you, you take a, a bigger, broader perspective on incentives and the incentive structures for an academic career? Yeah, I mean, it comes up a lot, uh, particularly for early career. Um, I think the more senior people are a bit more secure in some ways. Um, although, having said that, in Sweden, you still expect it to bring in grant funding through your whole career. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that uh, it's something that um, we talk about more and more when we talk about re- impact and research impact. What, what is that? And how do you support people to take time to do that, whether it's within their research projects or whether it's the institution and the institutional support for doing that additional work. But I think sort of as part of our vision to create lasting and impactful research does require um, a thinking about um, you know where you're going to end up with your research, where you're contributing your research to, who's benefiting and how, those kinds of questions. And then that naturally leads you to think about how your individual research as part of a wider institution is making a contribution. Yeah. So you see, so then you can start to think a bit more structured and a bit more focused and uh, in ways that over time your research will build towards something. And we try to create that kind of environment here at Luxus. And I think it's happening more broadly across universities. Mm. You know, if you take a more positive view of impact, I mean, you can be quite skeptical about it and critical of it. But if you think about it in the sense of creating narratives and stories and um, effect over the long term, there is some kind of sense to it. We're not just doing sort of random bits of work here and there that doesn't um, isn't anchored necessarily with those individuals and the communities that they're working in. Is that difficult uh, discussing with the university? You know how the, the the center here is going to take a slightly different approach, perhaps to or like broadening the the incentives or the type of research that would be traditionally done. I mean, have you run up in, against any barriers there? Um, or is those, are those more like internal discussions about how we should reward and value the research internally amongst the staff? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you come up against barriers like um, if we try to teach a course with another department that charges a different price for the students. Of course. Those are sort of the practical barriers that we still face mm-hmm. in terms of people having the creativity or innovation. Uh, to work across disciplines or with other people or impactful ways and we're, um, we're very open to that at Luxus mm-hmm. so we try and create a supportive environment for that for fostering research and it's a bit risky as well yeah. you know you have to take a risk thanks for tuning in the in common podcast is a partner project of the international association for the study of the commons and the international journal of the commons to explore more episodes of the podcast, as well as our blog, 
visit our website at www.incommonpodcast.org. Here you will also find a list of the members of our recently expanded team, as well as a link to our Patreon page, where you can make a small donation to help us cover our operating costs. You can also follow us on Twitter at InCommonPod. Thanks again.